0: Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, June 22nd, and today on the eve of the NBA Draft, we will be bringing you a draft preview episode. We'll be hitting some of the notable betting angles, plus some of the latest rumors and key draft storylines to watch heading into Thursday night. We're going to be hearing from Noah Rubin coming up. But for starters, I'm joined by Von Dalzell, Raphael Johnson, Steve Alexander, and guys, I don't know if this is your sentiment, but can we please get to Thursday night? I have lost patience. I'm done. Too many rumors, not enough answers. I'm wondering if any of you have any ideas for passing the long hours between now and then. Steve, anything? What do you got?
1: Matt, I, I'm not a big rumors rumors fan. I feel like it requires a lot of work from all of us. And <laughs> about 10% of the time, they turn out to be true. So I, I'm, I'm with you uh, 100%. Like, let's get the draft here. And let's get this done. But before we do that, it's going to be cool to hear what Vaughn thinks is going to happen with some of these guys. So I'm excited about that. You guys
2: don't think Paula Benchero's got number one? You're not buying into it, Steve? Come on. (laughs) Two days to the draft? No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot of rumors not to believe, and I'm I'm with you there, Steve.
0: Let's find out right now, really, uh, about that number one pick. Uh, So we're going to start with some betting angles. And some prop bets. Vaughn, that is, of course, your area of expertise. So we're going to set these up for you. And then Raf and Steve, you guys will weigh in after Vaughn comments. Let's start with the odds for the number one overall pick. This is Via Points Bet. As of this morning, not long ago, I checked. Jabari Smith is now minus 250 to go one one overall. The aforementioned Paolo Bencaro, plus 250. Chet Holmgren, plus 400. And a guy named Jaden Ivey is plus 10,000 if you're feeling adventurous. Vaughn, what are... What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, Has Orlando figured it out? Are they taking Jabari Smith?
2: Well, I mean, the little joke we just made about Paulo Benchero, he's getting steam out of nowhere, really. I mean, he just jumped Chet in odds for number one overall pick, from what you just said. And uh, that's come as of late, because as of two days ago, that wasn't the case. I mean, I think Jabari Smith is probably the best pick. I mean, that guy is, he could be a freak in the NBA. Like, there's no doubt about it. And if you're looking at who can help out now, I think Jabari Smith's the clear option. I think Paulo Benchero is the better option than Chet if you're talking about game-ready, a guy that's going to give you the production you're looking for right off the bat. I think Holmgren obviously has to grow into his body a little more. Defensively, he could be a primetime shot blocker. But I'm the magic. I'm really focusing on Jabari Smith or Paulo Benchero. I think Smith's the option they're going to go. That's what everyone's been assuming for so long. And I mean, we all know when a number one pick has been pretty much presumed to be uh, it's not very often when we're wrong with the number one overall pick. So I think Jabari Smith Jr. is probably the safe option, the number one.
3: Odds are kind of interesting to watch in that Bancaro's jump kind of came at the same time as it was reported that Chet Holmgren, there are questions about how many teams he'd worked out for, how many teams he'd provided medical information to. So that may be the reason why his odds have dropped. but. Yeah, I'm with Vaughn. I think Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be that guy who's called first on Thursday night. Holmgren going to Oklahoma City wouldn't be a bad deal for him, you know, even though we've long criticized the way in which they've gone about this tanking process. But <laughs> fact of the matter is, he'd be in a situation where he would play plenty. And I think from a fantasy standpoint, that would make him a highly valuable rookie going into the next season.
1: Yeah, I, th- I feel like it's going to be Jabari, Jabari Smith to Orlando. I, I just think the guy has the least number of questions about him health-wise, game-wise, everything else. And, you know, my uh, Orlando's still reeling from not seeing John- Jonathan Isaac in three years. So I think they're going to go uh, safe over sorry here.
0: All right, moving now to the odds for the number two pick. It's Chet Holmgren at minus 225, Jabari Smith plus 180. Followed by Paolo Bancaro and Jaden Ivey Vaughn. What is your outlook here, given what we just said about number one? I mean,
2: with the Thunder, they have three first-round picks, uh, so they can go a lot of options here. I mean, they're such a young team, a team that's you know been called. We talk, we talk about them tanking all the time, but they have you know the Shy Gillig Alexander's of the world, and that's pretty much about it. Uh, we spent our time talking about Darius Baisley's fa- uh, fantasy output rather than you know the team and what they're going to do. So they'd be lucky to get whoever whoever they want here. Um, I think Holmgren, obviously, they're telling you he looks like the best bet. I think the Rockets would be glad to have whoever falls to them at number three. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, but the odds, again, will tell you Holmgren's going to be the number two. If you're looking for a dark shot, I'd probably take a little look at Jaden Ivey. We'll get to him, but I like Jaden Ivey a lot. And I think he's a guy that's going to be a three-level scorer and potentially you know, be a, a guy that leads the league in scoring one day. I'll go as far as to say that. So uh, I could eat those words one day, but – I think Holmgren's the number two pick, but I think Jay and Ivy would be the sneaky guy if you're betting number four or betting number betting to go from number four to two, excuse me.
1: I've got OKC taking Chet Holmgren, too, uh, if he's still there at two. He's a big man. Oklahoma City has plenty of, uh, you know, wings and, and smaller guys that are really, really good yeah. uh, and are going to be for a long time. And adding Holmgren, Holmgren to that mix, I just think, is, is the way to go. And – I don't know if Jade Ivey could go at number two. I, I think Banchero, now that he, he's all this hype is suddenly happening. I think he's most likely going to end up somewhere else. But I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if OKC did something crazy like that, just because they are the Thunder, and uh, I mean they're just stockpiling these guys, endlessly tanking. Jonas thinks they're going to tank again next year. Like when does the when does the stockpiling stop and the the winning begin. I don't know, but no, Holmgren is a good piece. Holmgren. He's a good piece uh, to add <laughs> for that. Yeah, I
3: don't – I think it's Chet. Like, Ben Carroll, one of his biggest strengths is his ability to serve as a playmaker. You already have Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy. so I don't know if the fit is there because you're going to have three guys who are usually at their best with the basketball on their hands, so – Gives you talent. You know, they're still in that talent acquisition process of the rebuild. But I think there's a lot to like with like with Chet Holmgren in terms of his ability to stretch the floor offensively. Shot blocker. He's not the most powerful player, but you're talking about a weak side guy who can come over and, and protect the rim. That, that would be a huge asset for Oklahoma City or any other team to have.
0: And if it is Chet in OKC, I think he lines up to be a really fun fantasy option for like 54 games, and yeah. then uh, the inevitable <laughs> shutdown happens. So just yeah. keep that yep. in your mind if you are drafting him in fantasy. Uh, moving to number three overall, Paolo Banqueiro is minus 250, Chet Holmgren plus 425, Jabari Smith plus 600, Jaden Ivey plus 650. Vaughn, your thoughts here at number three?
2: It's up to Bancaro and Ivey here, in my opinion. And we talked about how well, first off, Christian Wood not being in Houston anymore is definitely a big factor for the Mavericks. So they'd be happy no matter who they get here, whether it's Ben Caro or Holmgren. Uh, you know, they're ruling out Alperen Sangoon and Usman Garuba uh, from last year's, the last past two draft classes. So they're very young up front as well. They still got KPJ and Jalen Green and the vet Eric Gordon and uh, Schroeder as well. So the Rockets have a fun team. I would love to see a guy like Jaden Ivey there, but realistically, they're going to take the big man that falls to them. And I think yeah. they're going to be quite happy with that, uh, only dealing with, I believe, one pick in the first round or two picks in the first round. They have the pick uh, 26. Uh, so, likely at 26, there won't be many big men worth taking there. So, I think they could safely go uh, Bancaro or Holmgren if he falls to three. I think they have
3: three picks now, counting 26. They have 26. three picks now? Yes.
2: Oh, because so. they have a mid-round pick, too, right? Seven yeah. seventeen. 17, mm-hmm. I see here. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of options at the 17th pick. I mean, you – There's a lot of guys that in the NBA, I feel like once you get out of that lottery spot, it kind of gets hard to, uh, you're filling voids. You're not really taking the best player available all the time. So I think right here, it's just they're going to stick with the big man and be happy with that after losing out on Christian Wood.
3: Yeah, I think the stage is set for Paolo Bancaro to go here. Um, You trade trade Christian Wood, as as Juan said, that opens a clear void, not just for Alper and Shingun to pick up more minutes, as many of us were clamoring for throughout this season but also another forward who can, who can play who can play make. And Pankero fits that mold. Especially when you look at this team, they don't have a true answer at the point. I know they've tried Kevin Porter Jr. there, but let's be honest, he was really inconsistent this season. Um, Jalen Green really got a role in the second part of the season. I don't think that Dennis Schroeder will be in the Rockets uniform next season. His timeline does not match up with the team. And we've heard trade rumors surrounding Eric Gordon, Houston possibly wanting a first in return for him. So, in that case, Jaden Ivey could make some sense. But I think overall, they're going to have Van Carroll as the top guy remaining on their board at this point. So, I think it'll be him.
1: Which one of y'all got chainsaw
0: massacre going on outside? I think Raph's Raph's lawn crew is the long crew <laughs> is back. on the scene. The Sweet. lawn crew is ready for the draft. I've
1: missed the lawn crew. Uh, Matt, you and I, I don't think, have spent any time together since Christian Wood got dealt to my I Mavericks. Right. And yeah. I've been dying to talk to someone besides my son about this for, <laughs> for a long time now. So I don't even know if I can talk about Ben, ben- Paulo Banchero yet. Ben-Cero yet. Uh, but no, I, I do think the Rockets are going to take him. They do have a big gaping hole at power forward and, and center now. It looks like Sengun... You know, after we spent twenty minutes talking about they're never gonna play Shen Gun, that hole opened up. And now Panchero can walk in there and walk into power forward minutes that wouldn't have been there otherwise. I like this move for the Rockets. I'm not sure I'm gonna go as far as Vaughn did and say that they're fun yet, but they, they at least <laughs> have a fun they have a fun <laughs> nucleus. They're young, if nothing else. And um old man James Harden is no longer there, you know bringing everybody down so it could be a fun year for Houston but if nothing else it's gonna they're gonna be fun to watch on TV I think so I think uh Banchero is going to Houston too
2: Steve they're they're fun when you get to bet them at plus 14 and plus 17 uh that's that's when they're really fun there you go
0: you know what would also be fun if the Rockets didn't do something like uh just have Banchero go slide into the Christian Wood minutes and leave Shangoon kind of languishing on the bench, looking for minutes. Like, Raph, can we live in a world where both of these young guys can share the court at the same time? I mean, I'm worried about the scenario where Ben Caro just comes in and and takes the vacated Christian Wood minutes, and the same reality exists for Shangoon.
3: Well, I think think they can exist next to each other, uh, for one, and two— I think the bigger concern would be Jay Tate. What happens with him? Like, does Houston right. still see him as a starter who's going to play 28 to 30 minutes per game? That would be a greater concern as far, you know, from my point of view than, than anything else in terms of bankero coming in and taking Shingun's minutes. It seems like they really like Alperin, and you don't make that Christian Wood trade just to clear up space for an incoming rookie, you know, given what Shingun showed when he was given extended minutes last season. So I, I wouldn't be too worried in his, on his behalf at all, fantasy-wise.
0: I like it. Shangoon optimism is back on. We're <laughs> back. Here we go. Okay, the number four overall pick, the odds as of Wednesday morning, is Jaden Ivey, minus 145. Keegan Murray, plus 110. Shaden Sharp, plus 800. And the aforementioned, many times mentioned, Chet Holmgren, plus 1,500. Vaughn. Give us your outlook here because uh, I feel like in a lot of people's minds, it's it's Jaden Ivey kind of the favorite to go forth. People are like kind of penciling this in, but maybe it's not a
2: lock. Yeah, I don't think it's a lock by any means. I think Keegan Murray could definitely slide in here for Sacramento. You look at their lineup now. They got rid of Tyrese Halliburton and they got rid of uh, my, my guy uh, Marvin Bagley. Uh big fan of Marvin Bagley. Felt like he never got a shot. Hoping he comes to my Chicago Bulls at some point. But, okay. uh, yeah, I really like the, what they got going on the guard position with Fox and Davion Mitchell. Uh, you know, Harrison Barnes is a guy. He's, he's a bounce-back king when it comes to prop betting, and they got Sabonis now. Uh, so the Kings are probably going to miss out one of those big men that we've been talking about. All three of the big men will probably be gone here, and they'll have their pick of the litter with the best available player or their best scorer. And I think Keegan Murray being a forward fits that position because you don't want to roll into the season with Trey Lyles Or Mo Harkless uh, as your starting power forward. You could definitely groom a guy like Keegan Murray. Uh, Mm -hmm. While Jay and I would be fun, like I said, I think Jay and I is going to be a great scorer. Not necessarily think that's the future for the Kings uh, if they're really buying into De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell combo. So I think Keegan Murray, although he's not the favorite, is probably the better bet.
3: Last week it was reported that both Mike Brown and Vivek Renadive are fans of Keegan Murray. Last I checked, having the head coach and owner in your favor is a pretty good place to be in. Not that, they're, not that they're the only ones involved in this decision-making process. It's interesting to see what Giamani McNair is thinking. But with regard to Jaden Ivey, we saw this last season with the Kings. And what ended up happening was De'Aaron Fox missing a bunch of games for the trade deadline and Tyrese Halliburton in an Indiana Pacers uniform. So... Unless they clearly have Jaden Ivey as the best remaining player on their board at that point, I don't see why they would do that unless they're making the pick for someone else. So Mm -hmm. I really think number four is where this draft is really going to start, so to speak, um, because of what Sacramento could potentially bring in in a trade. Um, In terms of a player who can help them now, I don't think they've been in the playoffs since, what, 2006? You know, so you don't you don't make the Sabonis trade that they made at the deadline just to can you continue to tread water in the lottery. So yeah, I think if they hold on to the pick, I think Murray's gonna be the guy because if there's a better fit within their starting lineup for him. But we'll see what happens there.
1: I like Vaughn's enthusiasm about Jaden Ivey. I'm from Indi- Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a lot of friends and relatives that that go to Purdue and have gone to Purdue and I feel like um, I feel like Ivy Ivy feels right at number four. And, you know, if Vaughn thinks he might be the leading scorer in the NBA one day, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting fired up about Jaden Ivy more so than I was a, a few minutes ago before we started doing this. And uh, I could see Jaden Ivy being a uh, sleeper rookie pick for me this year.
0: And the yeah. very words that Raf just said – Keegan Murray's a better fit is exactly why Sacramento would take Jaden Ivy because that, that'd be the most classic Kings yeah. thing to do Uh, just create more of a log jam of like another ball dominant player uh, just to complicate things. That would be a quintessential Kings move. And it's, it's for the fact that the fit doesn't make sense, which is exactly why they'd probably do it. So we want to look at a few other draft props you have on your radar Vaughn before we move on from the betting side of this. And I think, First name here uh, you sent was E.J. Liddell. Tell us your thoughts.
2: Yeah, the Ohio State guy. I uh, watched him play Loyola Chicago in the March Madness tournament at Pittsburgh, and it was the, one of the worst games of college basketball history. Uh, I mean, missed free throws, field free, like everything, layups, everything. But uh, Liddell balled out, and he's always balled out at Ohio State, but he's a tweener in the NBA, and that's the issue. He's 6'7", 240. Uh, he did average 2.6 blocks per game at Ohio State last season. But we all know that's not going to translate to the NBA by any means. Uh, and he also hit the three pointers between 33 and 37 percent the last two seasons. I don't think that's going to translate as well either with the type of threes that he was getting in his time there. We've seen his odds be pretty steady at 20 and a half for his draft position uh, since they've opened, but they've been shifting steadily towards the favorites. And I got this at 160 before I tweeted at 180 yesterday. It's already going to 25, 21 and a half. Uh, he's a guy I just don't see too many teams. Honestly, wanting to draft a tweener like him that's kind of built like a Draymond Green, but kind of has the game of like a uh, a little bit upgraded Denzel Valentine, not to try and, you know, disrespect either player. But <laughs> I just don't see many teams in that, uh, you know, 15 to 20 range. They're going to want to EJ Liddell.
1: Yeah, 20 and a half is interesting for him. That would put him either with the San Antonio Spurs or Denver Nuggets. Um, neither place – Terrible to be as a young guy right now. Uh he was pretty good at Ohio State. He was a shot blocker, but we don't know what his defense is going to look like in the NBA. And we, it, exactly. it, I really think his his height is working against him. Like Vaughn said, he's kind of a tweener. We don't really know what his role or or game will look like in the NBA. He he could end up being Draymond Green, or he could end up, you know, end up being somebody who's who's not nearly well as known. So. I think it's going to come down to his defense, but I do feel like the chances of him being drafted at twenty or, you know, between fifteen and twenty are pretty pretty good. I think if I was going to bet, I'd, I'd probably take the under.
3: I'd actually take the over um, because, as Juan mentioned, in the NBA scheme of things, he's kind of between it. Yeah. You know, he played the four in college, uh, a little bit of five as well, and they went smaller. The question, does a team believe that they can shift him to the three on occasion? Because they may have to do that because of his size or lack thereof. I don't know if he can do that. I think my most recent mock draft, I had him go to the Philly at 23. Yep. But we've heard recently that Philly is considering shopping that pick along with Matisse Thibault to get someone in there who can help them immediately. You know, they're in win now mode. And you also have the Danny Green ACL tear to take into consideration as well. So... I would take the over on that Liddell prop. I think I don't think he's gonna be in that fifteen to twenty range. I think it'll be just outside of that, even with outside of that twenty one and a half, to be
2: honest with you.
0: Next one is Usman Jang over under twelve and a half. Vaughn, where are you on this one?
2: So Jang's status has been on the rise. I don't know how much you've guys seen him play or I'm sure you followed his stock, but I mean he opened up a plus twelve hundred to be drafted in the top ten. That's sitting at plus one hundred now at points mm-hmm. bet. All right, so he's an NBL guy. He also played at uh, the INSEP Academy, which also hosted Tony Parker and Boris Diaw. So you know that he at least, you know, is coming from a very good, you know, academy, and then he goes into international play and put up a lot better numbers in the second half of the season than he did the first half. second half of the season, he was actually shooting around 35% from three. In three of his last five games, he scored 18, 20, and 22 points. Now, some coaches and some scouts from overseas were saying that he could be a franchise-type player, they don't want to say he's going to be like Giannis, but he could be as dangerous as Giannis is. He's an 18-year-old kid at 6'10", 6'11", with a 7-foot wingspan. A lot of teams are going to be drooling over that type of guy who can hit threes, stretch the floor, and they say the best part of his game is his ball handling and passing ability. If that's the case, some teams are going to take a chance on him, and I think that he could be a top-10 guy. So I took the under 11.5. A lot of the really sharp cappers that had more time than me got the under 13.5, uh, but I think he's a top-10 talent.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Like you mentioned, he did improve immensely on the offensive end of the floor the second half of the season for the breakers. You mentioned the instep academy experience that he's got. Yeah, I think he's going to go under that 11 and a half too as well. Um, I think I saw 12 and a half at one point. I thought he'd even yeah. be under that. So, you know, you look at that portion of the draft from about 8 to 12. That's why I think it's going to be pretty busy for 3 and D type wings. And he fits that. There's still some work to do in terms of development. But what young prospect have we not set that about? You know, so I think it will definitely be an under candidate. And I I would put money on that at 11 and a half as well.
1: You know, it's funny is OKC is sitting there at 12 and I can just see the teams in front of them. Like we can't let this 18 year old freak of nature end up, you know, in the in the OKC um stable so let somebody i think is going to take him before before okc picks so uh,
0: i like the under on that too so just clarifying i said 12 and a half but it's now moved to 11 and a half yeah. on points bet um on, okay. on
2: some books uh points but okay. actually just took it, took them off completely at one point yesterday and then they replaced the 13 and a half at minus 286 which is a ridiculous number obviously um but yeah like uh like steve said to those teams before them like the the Knicks pick at eleven. The Spurs pick at ten. The Spurs could use a guy like him. The Wizards at nine. Uh, so you know, there's spots for him to fall.
0: All right, one more prop we're going to hit, and that is the G Leaguer Marjan Bochamp over under at points bet. Last I checked, was twenty five and a half. Vaughn, where are you on this one? And why?
2: Yeah, another another guy we're gonna have to fade. Um, you know, no disrespect to the G League guys, but they have a little bit of a harder road with the limited games that they play sometimes. Because they play in these tournaments or these showcases, okay. they call them. Uh, but in the showcase, he averaged 15 points per game. And when you look at that, you think, okay, this guy's a scorer. But then you break down his splits: 24% from three, 65% from the free throw line. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, what's his height? What's his wingspan? You look at him. You know, he's six foot six, six seven. And you're like, you know, he's he's a guy that's in the middle between a shooting guard and a small forward. And you're not. He does not put up the scoring ability that you're really looking for. And we've seen his odds kind of start shifting in the direction of him being a second round pick. So I started looking at all the expert mocks consistently, mock 24, 25, all the way back to 38. When we see a range like that where guys are saying, "Okay, he's going to be like a 35, 38 type pick. Well, then he's more than likely going to be a second round pick uh, once we get closer to the draft. So, uh, you know, I'm going to fade him and he's not a guy that's being talked about very much. But just with his shooting splits and what he's offering teams that only have one first round pick. They're probably not going to want to take a guy like him, in my opinion.
1: I, I like that take, Vaughn. Uh, like you said, if, if a team only has one pick and it's at the end of the first round and you got to hit a home run with that pick, I just don't know that Beauchamp is the guy. Um, Zach has him at 21 in our latest our latest mock, his latest mock. Roth, do you know where you have him in your, your latest one?
3: I had him at 26. Okay. So. I like money.
1: twenty. I like twenty-six a little better than twenty-one at this point. So I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the over on uh, a
3: Yeah, I'm in the over camp as well, just because not just teams having just one first-round pick later in the first round, but also some of those teams are looking to make moves, um, either because they're in win-now mode, like Memphis has two picks from twenty-two and twenty-nine, but. How excited are they to add another rookie-scale contract to their books if they could potentially package those picks, you know, in, ex- in, adi- in exchange for someone who can help them now? And you think about the Warriors, you know, the reigning champions. They have a very expensive salary right now. I think you add in the luxury tax, it'd be about $400 million next season. <laughs> and that's not counting a first-round pick if they hold on to it. So – I think you have some instances of teams that may be looking to get out of the first round completely, and that can impact the draft values from a betting standpoint of a guy like Bochamp. So, yeah, I would take the over on him as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, just from having watched Bochamp, the jump shot certainly doesn't look that broken, but the 24% number, even in a smaller sample size, is a little alarming. So that all makes sense, guys. Vaughn, we appreciate it. Thanks for breaking this down. We're going to say goodbye to you, and coming up, we're going to hit... Some draft-related rumors and storylines coming up right after a quick break. We'll see you soon, Vaughn. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. And you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen on the PGA Tour, NASCAR circuit, and elsewhere. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. As we welcome in Noah Rubin, who magically arrived while I was reading that. Noah? Hello, sir. Uh, we're going to get some quick takeaways to what Vaughn had to say. We'll start with you. Uh, no, where are you on the top of this draft? think we'll see any shakeup. Has, has Orlando decided what they're doing? Are you on board with this Jabari Smith Jr. number one thing?
4: Yeah, I'm, you know, it's kind of the top three is kind of locked in right now. I don't know yeah. exactly who will go where. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Jabari, Chet, uh, Paulo. Um, Steve, you mentioned that... Uh, Jonas said that the Thunder might tank again next season, even after getting Chet. I think they're going to keep taking until they can combine Chet Holmgren and Victor Wemben-Yama, I believe is how you pronounce his name, the, the French guy in the half that Twin Towers. I think that's their goal, um, which would be pretty insane. But I think as far as the top three, it's just going to no trades, just kind of Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and then Paulo Banqueiro.
0: I just love that the, the prevailing idea in Oklahoma City is like, let's just see how weird – Let's just see how weird this thing can get, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, I think we've covered the top of this draft fairly well. Um, I, I, and let, let's move on to some draft-related storylines and rumors relating to guys who are currently in the NBA. And this one is from Tuesday via Jonathan Giovanni of ESPN. Apparently, the Suns' DeAndre Ayton divorce isn't necessarily officially happening. Now, the report on Tuesday was that Phoenix wants to try to clear cap space to try to sign Aiton. Steve, I thought he was leaving. What are we doing here?
1: I still think he's leaving, Matt. You know you know how I roll. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I the divorce may not they may might not be separated yet. The the divorce may not officially be happening, but I we're in wait and see mode to see who is gonna try to sweep Aton off his feet and how successful they can be. But uh, I don't think – I think it's smart of Aiden and the Suns to both try to repair this and, and leave the door open to him coming back until we see what happens. But I still – I'm still in the camp of I, I think he's probably leaving. I think
3: he's going to stay. Um, I think Phoenix is going to do everything in their power to keep him because how many high-level centers are there in the NBA, uh, especially one who can move his feet laterally on the perimeter – I think if anything, he was a bit underutilized by them, especially on the offensive end of the floor. You know, when they got him the ball in the paint, he was very difficult to, to stop. But then it felt like it went in cycles where he would go about four or five minutes with limited or no touches while they're firing off, you know, contested twos. I think if anything, they're going to need to sit down and have a conversation about how he's going to be utilized. And Phoenix is closer to being a title contender you're at the point where you can't, you know, go back. And I think if they let Aiton just leave, they're kind of stepping in the wrong direction. So I think he's going to Mm -hmm. stick around.
0: Okay. We have a stay. We have a leave. Noah, you are the tiebreaker.
4: I think I'm also a leave. Uh, Raf, you mentioned that they have kind of underutilized him on offense. I think his argument in that game seven, I think when you were able to lip read a little bit was that he told Monty Williams, I can't pass myself the ball. So he's not really getting the ball as much as he'd like, kind of leads to some issues with Monty Williams. Uh, the other report in that article was that the Suns may look to trade a player like Cam Johnson uh, for like pick eight to the Pelicans to clear that cap space. I don't know how that uh, helps move Phoenix towards more of a title contender, um, but it's just kind of an interesting thought that it would be eight in this guy they have issues with to trade Cam Johnson to make room for another rookie. I think it might just be more of a rumor than what we've seen. I think Aiton's probably gone.
0: All right. That's it. We've got it officially decided he's gone because you guys voted two to one. So, Raph. Sorry, <laughs> Raph. Sorry. He's, he's gone. Uh, we are surrounded by a lot of John Collins rumors, enough to make me nervous as a guy who is literally surrounded by multiple John Collins jerseys. So... I mean, I don't even know where to start here because John Collins' name is everywhere, including Shams Strani reporting that the Kings and Hawks have discussed a Collins trade, Adrian Wojnarowski making it sound like John Collins is likely on the move or likely to be involved in any move the Hawks make. I mean, Noah, I don't even know what to make of all this. Uh, can you make any sense of this?
4: It really seems, unfortunately, like he's going to be gone. I mean, if you add in two other reporters, Mark Stein said that John Collins is more likely to be traded than he ever has been in the past. Zach Lowe said if he was to bet on any one player in the NBA to be traded, John Collins, the Sacramento deal, just, I don't see, it doesn't line up with what the Hawks front office has said. They're going to make moves. Uh, They, it could be like a Harrison Barnes would work out contract wise, but if they're not including the fourth pick, I don't see how that moves the Hawks towards more of a contender. So there's a lot of rumors Unless there's some star that's available, because um, that's kind of what the Hawks have said they're intent on is bringing in a second star next to Trey Young. Right. I don't see how that happens.
1: I could see the Hawks pulling off like number 16 and Collins to get number seven from the Blazers, maybe. But I don't think Matt, I don't, Matt does not, that's not, a, that's Matt doesn't That's not. a hundred percent no. That's a hundred percent. No, I, w- I would hate to see John Collins playing alongside Damian Lillard for the next, however many years and, and watch that as, as Hawks fans, uh, that would be painful, but I don't know. I mean, I does do we have to move John Collins and why, why? I mean, Zach Lowe saying if there's one player in the NBA, who's going to be traded, it's John Collins. If that's the case, why, why didn't we do this a couple of years ago, Matt? Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it, I, I don't see, uh, to go back to what Noah was talking about, I don't see what sense it makes to send them to Sacramento. They're not going to give up the number four pick. And Harrison Barnes, are we really talking
0: about that? Like, I, I can't make any sense out of any of this. Raf, can you? We've made no sense of it so far. Can you make any?
3: Speaking of underutilized big men... Um, I think a change of scenery would be great for John Collins. Where he would go, I don't know, but he needs the ball in his hands more than he's had it. I know there have been some injury issues as well, but I think a change of scenery would be great for him. Um, And, you know, the reports about Atlanta wanting a second star. What type of star are you getting for John Collins? You know, he's a very good player, and I think there's more that he can do. But in terms of the body of work thus far, I have my doubts about how much they can get for him, and and plus that 16th pick, maybe they'd have to include one of those young wings in the conversation as well before we get somewhere. But, yeah, I think he's played his last game as a Hawk, and I know Matt shook his head about Portland. I would love to see it personally because I think he'd get the basketball plenty there. And I think,
0: think it would be awesome. If I didn't feel personally invested, I would love to see John Collins get a change of scenery because as a basketball player, I think it's what he deserves and needs. And I and I honestly think it's ridiculous. Like this is a guy who for his career has shot fifty-six from the floor, thirty-eight on threes, and nearly seventy-eight from the line. Last year he shot fifty-three from the floor, thirty-six from three, and eighty percent from the line. That was a bad shooting year for him. This guy is an amazingly efficient player he does have some holes in his game mainly he can't take guys off the dribble but he can pretty much i mean you know this is just a guy who who really does deserve more of an opportunity i would love to see that happen in atlanta but again starting to sound like that may not happen i i just thought that the notion of packaging collins and 16 to move up to seven is a very steep price to pay just to get up to seven in this draft so that's why i vetoed that one steve Let's talk about Raf's team. I'm done talking about my team. The Knicks are reportedly trying to clear 25 million to Chase one Jalen Brunson. Oh wow. And we have a Steve uh Raf event here. Uh, because Steve's team, the Mavs, uh, could lose Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. I mean, this has kind of been rumbling around for a while, Raf. Do you lend this any credence? What do you think this what do you think is gonna happen with Brunson?
3: I think there's credence, but I don't think he's gonna wind up being a Nick. I don't believe you pay $25 million per year for him. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. But you say $25 mil per year in the point, for a point guard, I think you're talking borderline elite, and I don't think he's there. Could he possibly get there? Maybe, but I don't know if his game is conducive to being that type of guy. And, and I don't know if Dallas is just going to let him go, you know, without putting up a major fight financially, uh, just because that's how they geared their team. After that Porzingis trade, to have multiple playmakers who can make things happen with the ball in their hands, to take a little bit of pressure off of Luka Doncic. So I think that's why I, I believe that Brunson's is going to stick um, in Dallas. If anything, I would be keeping an eye on Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he's yeah. a guy that we've seen reports. I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN who reported on uh, on Tuesday that it would be a surprise if Brogdon wasn't dealt, you know, before the draft or during the draft, and you talk about Jaden Ivey, number four possibly, and so many teams wanting to get up there. If Sacramento doesn't make a move, maybe teams try to move, make a move for uh, for Brogdon to kind of address that point guard concern. So even with Malcolm having recent injury issues, I think New York would be more in line with possibly trying to make a trade for Brogdon than spending that type of money for Brunson.
1: It isn't fair for Matt and I to, to have to talk about these players getting traded away from our the, the teams that we we love but uh i don't i don't th- I, I, I agree with roth unfortunately man. dallas <laughs> Sorry, go dallas does not want to see Jalen brunson go and i think the very first team i heard him rumored to you know three months ago when we first started thinking about free agents and whatnot was was the new york knicks like and i i could i could see the knicks watching that film on Jalen Brunson and salivating and being like, yeah, 25 million seems like a good idea. Let's go do it. I mean, I just think that New York is so desperate to find any point guard, pick a point guard, any point guard that can start and stay on that team. And I I don't know, man, I feel like uh, Jalen Brunson might, might be that guy. I just hope that, like Ralph said, I hope Dallas puts up a fight and doesn't let it happen because he was – Really a huge key to um, making sure that Luka could stay healthy and that the Mavs were as good as they were.
4: And then Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, who's kind of ran the rumor mill basically this offseason, uh, reported that Jalen Brunson was telling teammates and friends that it's basically a done deal that he's returning to Dallas. So I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, Raph, you mentioned maybe Brogdon to New York, um, which in Zach's uh, most recent mock draft he had, Brogdon being traded to the Knicks for pick 11. I don't know if you guys saw the Twitter backlash he got. He got kind of ripped apart by a person or two, but I kind of agree with the uh, with the deal. I think that Brogdon would fit in well with New York, kind of bring in a veteran presence. And then Indiana, they need to really figure out what they're doing with this rebuild and adding in the 11th pick. That's, that's not going to slow down the rebuild.
0: All right. Another piece of news or another rumor anyways, is that No, this is just news. Uh, Sorry, Bradley Beal is declining his $36.4 million player option, headed for unrestricted free agency. Of course, that could include returning to Washington. What are your thoughts on this one, Noah?
4: Yeah, shortly after that news kind of broke, Bradley Beal just tweeted, wait, huh, LOL. So while it could have been about something else, uh, I'm going to assume that it has to do with that. So maybe...
0: So maybe it is a rumor and not
4: news. It's maybe possible. it is a rumor. Maybe he still will uh, decline the player option, but there was reports from a few days ago that he had made his decision about what he wanted to do for his future. Right. I would assume within the next couple of weeks, we know that, but I don't see a reason for him to stay in Washington. He's he's shown he's a trooper and, and toughed it out, and I don't think anybody's going to be upset other than maybe Wizards fans uh, about him leaving to try and go compete somewhere. Where that is, I don't really know. Maybe Damian Lillard in Portland, they have probably a good bit of cap space, could make that happen. A um, couple other Eastern Conference teams that would love to bring in a score like Bradley Beal, like the Heat, uh, the 76ers, or even the Hawks. I don't know exactly how that would work, uh, but I don't see a reason for him to stay in Washington.
1: Yeah, that came from Hoops Hype. And uh, usually Hoops Hype, I- if they've got a, a rumor, they, they kind of come up with it on their own. We don't generally count that as, as actual news, but this this one said uh Beale will decline his player option and enter unrestricted free agency, a league source told hoop So who knows mm-hmm. who that league source is? It could be uh it could be anyone in the world. So uh I don't know. I I feel like if any player in the NBA could probably use a fresh start and a new team, it would be Brad Peel. He's going to get paid that money, whether it's in Washington or somewhere else. So I I think personally, it makes sense that he would be gone. So I I I'm okay with that. Well,
3: Washington can pay him more and for longer than anyone else. So you know, it could be a situation where. All right, we'll take the match from Washington, but let's see if we can work out a sign and trade. Like, you know, this is going to be an interesting free agency to watch just because of his talent and the number of teams that are interested in him, the number of teams that he can impact winning with. You know, in Washington, you've got Chris taps Porzingis, but his medical history makes it extremely difficult to rely on him as a, a key piece for a contending team. I mean, we watched Dallas give up on that at the deadline, so... Yeah, you know, We'll see. I know Washington seems to be all in on him, but I don't know what he's going to be able to do long-term just because of the injuries, how much you can be able to rely on him. They have some good young forwards. We talk about Denny Abdi and you know, Rui Hachimura, but there are a lot more questions and answers on that roster when we talk about a possible contender, and I don't know if that 10th overall pick is going to be ready to help them to Bradley Beale's satisfaction if he were to consider sticking around I can see a scenario in which he stays, but I kind of feel like a sign-and-trade may be what ultimately happens here, just to kind of get him the most money and, and a way to say thank you for his years of service to the Wizards.
0: All right. A couple more situations to attempt to interpret here. And we've had a couple of different reports swirling around about restricted free agent Miles Bridges. So according to Shams Charania, Charlotte, is hesitant to match a max offer sheet if it comes in for Bridges. Meanwhile, Brian Windhorse of ESPN says the Hornets are going to try to offload salary in a push to keep Miles Bridges. I think, Steve, there's no doubt the Hornets would likely like to keep Bridges, but I guess the question is at what cost? What do you think is happening?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I That's a tough one. Uh, Miles Bridges was so good in the first half of, of last season, and then I feel like he sort of hit a wall and, Kind of cooled off. Like for for a while there, he looked absolutely unstoppable. And then I felt like as time went by, he didn't look quite as unstoppable. I don't know. Um, if they have to max him out, I don't think I don't think they're gonna I don't think Michael Jordan's gonna do that.
3: I kind of feel like the point in which he started to not really struggle, but the production came down a little bit was around when Gordon Hayward returned. And when you, you look at some of the recent rumors, there's, you know, Charlotte has two first, 13th and 15th, and it was reported, I can't recall who reported it, I think it was ESPN Tuesday night, that they'd consider attaching one of those picks to Gordon Hayward in an attempt to free up salary space to retain Bridges. And I think, you know, the money that Gordon is making, I think it's about $30 million, and his medical history, if they can find a, a team that would be willing to take that on, Maybe you take on a high-priced veteran in the final year of his deal in return. I think you strongly consider that because Bridges, if you can clear up that log jam at the four, and the three slash four, I think you would benefit immensely,
4: whether we're talking you know raw basketball
3: or fantasy basketball value.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, there was a point like last season, I think probably earlier, like you said, before Hayward returned, where Miles Bridges was a borderline all-star, uh, probably up for most improved player of the year. I wouldn't be shocked if you know they're able to trade whether it's thirteen or fifteen with Hayward. I don't know how far you're able to move up. I don't know exactly how much it actually elevates the team. But bringing back Miles Bridges, I think it that's kind of something they need to do at this point. I mean, really, they have Lamelo obviously, and then Miles Bridges is probably the second best player there, second best prospect. You have to match a, a max offer on him, even if he's not necessarily a max player. I, I don't think you can just let him walk for nothing.
1: And and I think the key to this whole thing, like like Ruff was saying is is Gordon Hayward has to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Bridges who just turned 24 recently, career high 20.2 points, career high 7 rebounds, career 3 career high 3.8 assists. I mean, I I think he's an awesome player. I do think that dilemma of like this guy may not be quite a max, but we have to pay him max money is a horrendous dilemma for a team to have. But uh yeah, it it's it's tough. It'd be tough to stomach the notion of losing that guy for Charlotte.
3: I'd love to see him in a Mike Dantoni coach system. So you Absolutely. Think about what Dantoni was able to do with, say, a Sean Marion in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Miles Bridges, at least he has a prettier shooting form than, than <laughs> Sean Marion did. So yeah. I think you it's get so those hard. guys running. You know, I think that would be really big for, for Miles and for LaMelo Ball. Terry Rozier as well.
0: Ah, uh, the, Hornets, the Hornets are a, a very fun team. Uh, Already, but yeah, that that would be add some intrigue to the equation for sure. Steve, you look like you're going to talk. Are you just? Am I wrong? Oh, you're wrong. You you look poised. You look poised to talk.
1: Did Kenny Atkinson turn down that job last week? Is that what? Is that
0: what happened? Yes. He well, he took it. Then he changed his mind. Right, essentially.
4: Yeah. 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 That was weird. (laughs) There was reports that uh, about. Charlotte wanting to choose or keep a majority of their coaching staff, and I don't think Kenny Atkinson wanted to do that as much. That was what reports I saw. So, gotcha.
0: All right, last one. Okay, uh, this is a Kyrie Irving update of sorts. Shams Charania reported that Kyrie and the Nets were at an impasse about his future recently, which sent uh, the possibility of him heading for unrestricted free agency as a possibility, though. Brian Lewis of the New York Post reports that the Nets are still Kyrie's most likely landing spot. Noah, as we attempt to make sense of all of these sort of semi-conflicting reports, the last one is the Kyrie one. What are your thoughts?
4: Man, it's interesting. The uh, I think the article that said Kyrie was offered like a four-year, $192 million contract, but he has to play a certain amount of games. I just don't know that he would he spent the entire season uh, standing behind his vaccination status. I don't know that he, as long as assuming that rule is still in place, if it changes, maybe uh, I don't think he changes that up just for money. Uh, I think he's sacrificed a good bit of money to stand behind that. So, I I mean, that's the most money he can get. I don't know where else he could really go. I mean, as soon as a guy like that, you know, it's possibly it's free agency automatically. Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, names are always thrown out there as possible landing spots. But, I mean, New York, is a, if he goes to the Knicks, that's another place where he wouldn't be able to play home games. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they, also the yeah, California team, they are changing they, it.
3: Yeah, they, they changed that late in the season. So he was eventually able to get on the court.
4: Oh, yeah, that's for- true. Okay, well then, I don't see him turning down all that money, uh, especially while he's trying to play with KD. I mean, he's Kyrie Irving. he's
1: one of the most unpredictable. I don't know if he's controversial, but he's just he's just always in the middle of stuff. and you know we've got three different blurbs on sports edge right now all saying three different things if i'm the if I'm the Nets, I don't want to commit to Kyrie Kyrie Irving for a, a long term huge contract that you know three years from now they're gonna be crying about it. So I I don't think they want to do that. I think they want to try to keep him around because when he actually plays, he's got the best handle in the league and he's one of the best point guards, one of the best basketball players in the league. But I'm sure a lot of the fan base and a lot of the, maybe some of his teammates are like, well, you know, we don't, we didn't really enjoy last season that much. And we were supposed to be, you know, playing for a, a title. And instead we were sitting at home watching the Sixers and whatnot. So I who knows, man? It's Kyrie Irving. It, there's going to be four four more storylines in the next two weeks that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah, Brooklyn's in a tough spot here
3: because it's not like they can just let him go and then they suddenly have all this cap space. Like right. they, They're really hamstrung. If he were to, to leave, they don't have much money to fill that void at the point. And you also have the ever unpredictable Ben Simmons on your roster too. So, you know, they they have to figure something out. I think there will eventually be a compromise because the Nets need Kyrie to stay. And I think Kyrie is going to kind of need to stay in Brooklyn as well. Not just because of the money and the the basketball sense, but also the partnership with Kevin Durant. Maybe Brooklyn has to give a little bit more financially uh, just because of the situation that they'd be in if they don't have Kyrie at the point. That being said, I I don't think this is going to reach a max deal type situation.
0: Man, it's a wild mess. I mean, like you said, they have to, they basically kind of have to keep him. But yeah, it's a wild one. It is a wild one. So that is obviously one of many storylines we're going to be continuing to watch this week and beyond. And that is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back on Friday with immediate draft night takeaways and all the fallout from what we assume is going to be a pretty eventful evening. And in the meantime, keep it tuned to NBC Sports Edge up until that and beyond as there is sure to be a lot more news between this podcast and the draft itself. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Thanks to Von Dalzell and you guys, Noah, Steve, Raph.
2: Much appreciated. I will talk to you guys soon.